You are listening to the Bear Sheva podcast. I'm Tony Burton. There have been some Christian theologians throughout history who have proposed that the original text of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, was corrupted. One notable example is Marcion, a second century theologian who developed a distinct theological system and rejected the Hebrew Bible and its God as portrayed in what they call the Old Testament, what we might call the Only Testament. Marcion argued that the God of the Hebrew Bible was a different deity from the God revealed in the New Testament, and that the Hebrew Bible had been corrupted by Jewish scribes. Marcion's views were considered heretical by the early Christian church, and his teachings were largely rejected. However, his critique of the Hebrew Bible's relationship to the Christian faith sparked discussions and debates about the authority and reliability of the so-called Old Testament texts among early Christian theologians. It's important to note that the majority of Christian theologians and scholars throughout history have upheld the integrity and the authenticity of the Hebrew Bible and the Tanakh, considering it as the inspired Word of God. The belief in the continuity and preservation of the biblical text has been a foundational principle for many Christian traditions. We see also within Islamic theological discussions, there have been scholars who proposed the idea that the original text of the Tanakh was corrupted. One such view is found in the Islamic doctrine of Tahrif, which suggests that the previous scriptures, including the Jewish and Christian scriptures, have undergone distortion or alteration over time. This belief is rooted in the notion that the revelations sent to earlier prophets were not adequately preserved. The only conclusion a person with a belief in the doctrine of Tahrif can come to is that you can't rely on any extant version of the Tanakh. It's been corrupted and therefore cannot be trusted to be the complete word of God. Overall, the belief in Tahrif serves as a framework for Muslims to affirm the finality and completeness of the Qur'an as the uncorrupted and preserved revelation from God, while acknowledging the possibility or probability of changes in previous scriptures. There are diverse perspectives within the worldwide community of Muslims, but that's the basic idea. But now... Gather around as we embark on a captivating journey through time, unraveling the stories behind three extraordinary treasures of ancient Jewish texts. The Dead Sea Scrolls, the Samaritan Pentateuch, and the Masoretic Texts. Brace yourselves for a tale of unexpected discoveries, religious schisms, and the tireless efforts of scholars to preserve and understand these ancient scriptures. <laughs> Let us begin our odyssey with the astounding tale of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Picture yourself in the mid-20th century, a time when the world was on the cusp of momentous archaeological revelations. It was in the year 1947, amidst the arid desert near the Dead Sea, that fate intervened in the life of a humble Bedouin shepherd named Muhammad ed Dhib. While searching for a lost goat 
he stumbled upon a hidden cave unaware of the treasures concealed within. Inside, he discovered clay jars, their ancient contents shrouded in mystery. Parchment and papyrus scrolls, remnants of a bygone era, lay dormant within these vessels. These initial discoveries set in motion a chain of events that would captivate the minds of scholars and historians for years to come. Over the span of almost a decade between 1947 and 1956, additional caves in the vicinity of Qumran, near the Dead Sea, yielded thousands of fragments and complete scrolls. These ancient texts, dating from the 3rd century BCE to the 1st century CE, held within their delicate fibers a profound revelation. They included copies of the Hebrew Bible, also known as Tanakh, non-canonical Jewish texts, and writings linked to a religious community known as the Essenes. As the news of these remarkable findings spread, archaeological expeditions were organized to excavate the site of Qumran and its surroundings. One notable figure among the explorers was Roland de Vaux, leading a team from the Dominican École Biblique et Archéologique Française in Jerusalem. Between 1951 and 1956, their tireless efforts unearthed ancient buildings, ritual baths known as mikvaot, and evidence of a communal lifestyle. These findings provided compelling support for the belief that Qumran was once inhabited by a devoted religious sect. However, the path to understanding the Dead Sea Scrolls was not without its challenges. Fragile and fragmented, these ancient texts required painstaking preservation and scholarly scrutiny. Notable scholars such as Emile Poitch, John Strugnell, and John Allegro dedicated themselves to cataloging, reconstructing, and deciphering the scrolls. Their efforts bore fruit as the majority of the texts were eventually published, offering invaluable insights into Second Temple Judaism, Jewish law, Messianic expectations, and the early manuscripts of the Bible itself. Now let's turn our attention to the Samaritan Pentateuch, another chapter in the rich tapestry of Jewish texts. Transport yourself to the distant past, to the origins of the Samaritan community, who considered themselves descendants of the northern Israelite tribes that had survived the Assyrian conquest in the 8th century BCE. According to their beliefs, the Samaritan Pentateuch, which encompasses the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, represents the original text of the Torah. The schism between the Samaritans and the Jews can be traced back to the divided monarchy period after the death of King Solomon. As the northern kingdom known as Israel broke away from the southern kingdom of Judah, Conflicts and religious differences arose, leading to the exclusion and rejection of the Samaritans by the Jewish community in Jerusalem. What makes the Samaritan Pentateuch particularly intriguing are its textual variations compared to the Jewish Masoretic text. 
These discrepancies encompass pronunciation, vocabulary, and minor textual variations. Some scholars believe that the Samaritan Pentateuch preserves an earlier textual tradition that predates the standardization of the Jewish Masoretic text. It offers us a window into an alternative textual tradition and the history of the Samaritan people. But the story doesn't end there. Let's delve deeper into a web of ancient Jewish texts as we explore the Masoretic texts, the authoritative Hebrew versions of the Jewish Bible, the Tanakh. Our journey takes us through the annals of time back to the 5th to 7th centuries of the Common Era, when Jewish scribes known as the Masoretes embarked on a noble mission. What was their task? It was to preserve and transmit the Hebrew Scriptures. While specific names from this period elude us, the Masoretes laid the foundation for the development of the Masoretic texts. But it was the Tiberian Masoretes, active in Tiberias, in the land of Israel, between the 9th and 10th centuries of the Common Era, who made significant contributions to the vocalization, punctuation, and accentuation of the Hebrew Bible. Among the luminaries of this period was Aaron ben Moses ben Asher and his family. Aaron ben Moses ben Asher's codification of vocalization marks and accents became widely accepted, influencing the standardized pronunciation of Hebrew. The efforts of the Tiberian Masoretes reached their zenith in the codification and transmission of the Masoretic texts. Manuscripts produced during the 10th and 11th centuries CE, such as the Aleppo Codex and the Leningrad Codex, became invaluable textual sources for generations to come. Now let us pause for a moment and shift our gaze to the east, to the city of Cairo in Egypt where a remarkable repository of Jewish texts known as the Cairo Geniza awaited its discovery. From the 9th to the 19th centuries CE, okay, that's a thousand years, this treasure trove housed numerous fragments of biblical manuscripts, including portions of the Masoretic texts. It's within the hallowed halls of the Ben Ezra Synagogue in Cairo that these fragments were uncovered shedding light on the textual history and scribal practices of the Masoretic texts. Fast forward to the 16th century, an era of transformative change as the advent of the printing press revolutionized the dissemination of knowledge. It was during this time that Daniel Bomberg, a prominent printer in Venice, Italy, played a pivotal role. He published several editions of the Hebrew Bible incorporating the Masoretic texts along with commentaries. One of his notable achievements was the creation of the Mikraot Gedolot, a monumental work and format that shaped the understanding of the Hebrew Scriptures for generations to come. We still use Mikraot Gedolot. Usually what that means is that you have the Torah text in the center surrounded by many Torah commentaries, many of the classic Torah commentaries like Rashi and Ramban. Within the tapestry of these remarkable discoveries, a profound realization emerges. The preservation and study of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Samaritan Pentateuch, and the Masoretic texts lend credence to the enduring belief that the Torah we possess today is the same one 
as was revealed at Mount Sinai. These diverse textual traditions discovered across different times and places bear witness to the remarkable consistency and fidelity with which the sacred words of the Torah have been transmitted through generations. The meticulous efforts of scholars, archaeologists, and scribes have unveiled the interconnectedness and continuity of these ancient Jewish texts, reinforcing the enduring legacy of the Torah as the timeless embodiment of divine wisdom and guidance. Thus we find ourselves standing in awe of a profound truth that the Torah we hold today is the same enduring covenant forged between God and humanity. You could have played with this idea of the Jews distorting their own scriptures until that day in 1947 when Muhammad ad went into a cave looking for a goat, but instead found proof that the Torah we have in our hands is the same one that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Of course, even if these amazing discoveries never happened, the faith precept that the Torah we possess is the Torah that was given by God is a foundation stone of Torah faith. Now we come to the eighth principle of the 13 principles of faith. The eighth principle, as articulated by the Rambam, states that the Torah given to Moses by God is immutable and eternal, and that no additions, subtractions, or modifications are possible. This principle asserts the divine authorship and absolute authority of the Torah, encompassing the written law and the oral law. This is otherwise known as Torah min Hashemayim, the Torah is from heaven. Let's talk about the divine origin of the Torah. In Exodus chapter 24, verse 12, we read, The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. This verse establishes that the law and the commandment, by which is meant the Torah in its entirety, was given by God through Moses to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai. This is the eighth of the 13 principles of faith. That the Torah, both its written and oral form, are from heaven. The Torah is the expressed will of God and is therefore the complete, pure, and holy truth. In fact, the Mishnah in Tractate Sanhedrin, which is the basis for Rambam's 13 principles, states clearly that a person who believes that the Torah is not from God has no share in the world to come. And we see in the Gemara, in Sanhedrin, page 99a, that this applies even to a person who can affirm that the entire Torah was given by God, except for one verse. It's become very popular to use the expression, your truth, implying that there can be more than one. Oh, we can understand that. One person's subjective lived experience can be very different from another's, so it can certainly feel like there is a truth for me and a truth for you. But what if we aren't talking about subjective lived experience, but rather the Word of God, which is the one objective truth that can possibly be expressed, both from the standpoint of whom we believe God to be, and simply based on the very definition of truth? Then, 
We're talking about something that is the last word. Let's consider a phrase from the Yigdal hymn. Yigdal is a Jewish hymn that holds a prominent place in morning and evening services. It's based on the 13 principles of faith formulated by the Rambam and is usually sung alongside the Adon Olam hymn. While its authorship is debated, it's attributed to Daniel ben Yehuda Dayan or Emmanuel ben Solomon. Both of them lived in Rome, Daniel ben Yehuda Dayan in the 14th century CE, and Emmanuel ben Solomon in the 13th century CE. Yigdal is traditionally sung in different tunes by Ashkenazic and Sephardic communities, with varying customs for the number of lines. As an interesting sidebar, Thomas Oliver's was an English Methodist preacher in the 18th century. His most famous hymn was The God of Abraham Praise, which was actually inspired by the traditional melody of Yigdal, as set by a Jewish cantor named Isaac Leon. The phrase that's relevant for us at the moment is, God will not exchange or replace his law ever. Beside the fact that this is one of the principles of Torah faith, it's just logical. God wouldn't reveal himself to an entire nation and impart a code for all of humanity to live by and then somewhat later on say, you know what, never mind, do this instead. And the Rambam points out in the Mishnah Torah that there is a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 28 that says what is revealed is for us and our children forever to carry out all the words of this Torah. These are standing orders to this day we have a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 13 verse 1 which states all these matters which I command to you you shall be careful to perform you may not add to it or diminish from it there are two mitzvot that derive from the same concept of not adding or subtracting from the commandments which are called Baal Tosif and Baal Tigra respectively for example Extending any of the festivals longer than is prescribed in the Torah. Nine days of Sukkot. Or consider the four species that are taken on Sukkot. If you add a banana to the other four, you'll be in violation of Baltosif, of not adding. In the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam cites this verse to state that nothing may be added or subtracted from the Torah that was given by God. There's something else that we need to consider about Torah coming from God. There's a passage in the Zohar, which is arguably the most foundational book of the Kabbalah, which states that God looked into the Torah and created the world. What this means is that the very DNA of creation is encoded there. It's much deeper than the words themselves appear. Every word of the Torah contains God's wisdom and wondrous secrets The ultimate wisdom of the Torah could never be fully grasped by human beings. This includes the oral Torah that's been passed down from teacher to student throughout the generations. In the Psalms, there's a beautiful phrase uttered by King David. This is chapter 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your Torah. From here we can see that there is something that you should do if you want to increase your chances of understanding this heavenly Torah, you should pray for it. 
The commentary of the Sforna, which is Rabbi Ovadia ben Yaakov Sforna, who lived in Cessna, Italy, during the 14th century. On that verse, he says, Open my eyes means don't let the limitations of my intellect be an obstacle to me when I glimpse wonders from your Torah. Instead, let the depths of what's there make itself apparent to me. And of course, when we realize who gave this Torah, we can understand right away that it's not simply a book of classic world literature. It is the book. This eighth principle of the divine origin and eternality of the Torah has had a major impact on the development of Orthodox Judaism. First, in the area of scriptural interpretation, the belief in the unchanging nature of the Torah guides Torah-observant Jews in their approach to scriptural interpretation. Orthodox scholars emphasize the importance of adhering to the literal meaning of the text and traditional interpretations handed down through generations. Also, when it comes to halachic observance, the eighth principle underpins the strict adherence to Jewish law, halacha, within the framework of Orthodox Judaism. Orthodox Jews view the commandments and rituals prescribed in the Torah as binding and unalterable, shaping their daily lives and religious practices. And when it comes to the authority of the rabbinic tradition, Torah Judaism places a strong emphasis on the authority of rabbinic tradition, considering it as a vital source for understanding and applying Jewish law. This adherence to traditional interpretations ensures continuity and consistency within Torah observance. And that's true whether you're Jewish or Noahide. In conclusion, the belief that the Torah is from heaven is a foundational principle in Judaism. It asserts that the Torah, both in its written and oral forms, was given by God to Moses at Mount Sinai and is the complete, pure, and holy truth. This belief stands in contrast to the views of some Christian theologians who propose that the Hebrew Bible was corrupted, and Islamic scholars who propose the doctrine of Tahrir suggestion that previous scriptures were distorted over time. The remarkable discoveries of ancient Jewish texts, such as the Dead Sea Scrolls, Samaritan Pentateuch, and the Masoretic texts, provide compelling evidence for the enduring belief that the Torah is min HaShemayim, from heaven. The belief in the divine origin of the Torah has had a very profound impact shaping the development of Torah observance to this day. It guides the approach to scriptural interpretation, strict adherence to Jewish law, and the authority of the rabbinic tradition within Jewish practice. What we know is that the Torah is the living testament to the enduring covenant between God and humanity, echoing the sacred encounter at Mount Sinai. It stands as the ultimate truth, unchanging and uncorrupted, shaping the lives and beliefs of Torah-observant people throughout history. Thank you for joining us on the Be'er Sheva Podcast. The podcast is proudly presented to you by Sukkot Shalom Beni Noach. As a global Noahide community, Sukkot Shalom is deeply rooted in the timeless values of Torah. We're dedicated to nurturing growth, fostering unity, 
and spreading the light of Torah to every corner of the world. For more enriching content and to be a part of our vibrant community, visit our website at www.sukkatshalom-benenoach.com. Remember to follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and leave us a comment with the topics you'd love to explore in future episodes. See you next time.